Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger, and I'm thrilled you're joining me for this first episode of my podcast. So while most of the episodes will be interviews with food, nutrition, and lifestyle experts, as well as friends, I wanted to talk with you directly for this first one to share my very own One Real Good Thing. What it is, is a shift in the way you think about food that could transform your relationship with it. I'll share how it's changed my life personally, the lives of people I've worked with as a dietitian, as well as how it became the foundation of all of my healthy recipes. So my one real good thing is to think of food as usually, sometimes, or rarely. Notice there's no such thing as never. So one of the traps that many of us, if not most of us, fall into when we're trying to get healthy is we immediately start to think about what we can have and what we can't have. We start to think about food in this sort of extreme yes or no way. And it really pervades our culture completely. We hear a lot of talk about food that's clean or food that's sinful, food that you should always eat, food that you should never eat, foods that are good, foods that are bad. But these extreme ways of looking at food ultimately backfire. What happens is when you look at food as bad or that you can never have it, it winds up that you create a kind of forbidden fruit mentality, right? So I know that if someone told me I could never, ever again eat a piece of chocolate cake, pretty much that would be all I ever thought about. Whereas now I know that if I really want a piece of chocolate cake... I have some and I move on and it's really not a big deal. And so I don't think about it all the time and I don't obsess about it. And I'm not worried that I'm going to eat an entire cake because I know that I could have some if I really want some. So this idea of forbidden fruit, first of all, makes you want something even more and makes it more important in your life than it needs to be. The other thing that it does is it kind of creates a tightrope that you're walking on when it comes to healthy eating. And it's a really unnecessary one. So if you define the rules as absolute in this way, yes or no, good or bad, clean or dirty, then you wind up walking this tiny little tightrope. And if you get shifted in either way, maybe the wind blows a little bit or you lose your balance slightly because of something that happens in life, right? Which when isn't it? Then you wind up falling off crashing down, right? And hopefully there's a net there like for a typical tightrope walker, but it doesn't have to be that way. The truth of the matter is there's a lot wider of a path that we can walk and still be healthy. And that's why I've come up with this usually sometimes and rarely list. So what it does is it pulls you out of this all or nothing way of thinking. And it basically gives you essentially a definition of moderate, right? We all know moderation makes sense, but sometimes it's really hard to actually pin it down. Like what does it actually mean? And it may mean different things to different people. So my usually sometimes rarely list, which I will share with you in depth here. And I also have on my website, by the way, if you want to just look at them as well, um, these lists help define moderation for us and give us some direction there. It kind of helps define that wide road, right? Um, And it also really importantly means that there's no such thing as a never food. 
And so when you perceive also the idea of I can never have something or something's totally off limits, what happens there is it creates the diet roller coaster, essentially, because all of a sudden you maybe have one French fry and if French fries were on the no list, then all of a sudden you ruined everything. And that's basically crashing off the off the tightrope, what I was talking about. So first of all, that's how damaging it can be. It can keep you on this roller coaster feeling bad about yourself because you've quote unquote failed when you actually didn't. It's just the rules that are failing you. The other thing is that it's just not true. Food is not good or bad or clean or dirty or sinful or heavenly. Food needs to be looked at with a bit of a wider lens. No one food is going to define the wellness or the well-being or the healthfulness of your diet. No one food will do that. No one day will do that. That we need to look a little bit wider at, say, your whole week or even a month at a time or a day at a time, but definitely not one food at a time. So no one food that you eat is going to define your diet. And it's the foods that you eat usually, the foods that make the backbone of your diet that really defines how healthful your diet is and how it serves you. So that's why I use this usually, sometimes, and rarely list. That's why I named it that because it's the food you eat usually that defines your diet. So that wide angle view, it kind of helps put us in this wide angle view, which is so very important. Now, I came up with the usually, sometimes, rarely lists when I was in private practice as a dietitian. So I was working one-on-one with clients and they would often come to me because they wanted to lose weight because they wanted me to put them on a diet. So I've long thought of the word diet as a four-letter word, but I would try to help people get a plan for themselves. What they're really looking for is some type of plan because they had none and they felt very untethered. So while I helped them and often gave them uh, the rigid, more rigid plan that they were initially expecting. All along, I was helping them broaden their view and helping them define what moderation is and see how all different foods would fit into this concept for them and how they could create a wide path, not a tightrope, but a wide glorious path that they could not only walk step-by-step on, but could actually dance on and have fun with. And there's lots of room to play culinarily and taste-wise and in life on this wide path of usually, sometimes, and rarely. So that's how I came up with the lists because I felt that it helped my clients really wrap their head around what was moderation for them. And then I wound up putting these lists in my very first book, which is called Small Changes, Big Results. And I framed it out there. And since then, I changed the lists a bit because science has changed over the years. And the first edition of that book was in 2005 at this point. And then I did another edition in 2012, updating the lists a bit to keep up with the current science. But essentially, this is what the usually sometimes rarely lists are. Okay. And and maybe you're going to predict some of this. The usually foods are the foods that should be the backbone of your eating plan. It should be most of what is in your shopping cart. I know for me, personally, it is most of what is in my shopping cart, okay? So vegetables, any vegetables, right? Uh, Fresh, of course, but also frozen and canned low-sodium vegetables, really almost any vegetable comes into the usually category. Whole fruits, whole grains, 
um, seafood, lean meat, lean poultry, um, game meats, uh, nuts, seeds, beans, lentils, black-eyed peas, split peas, chickpeas, all kinds of beans and legumes are on the usually list. Um, fermented foods like yogurt, milk, lower fat cheeses like cottage cheese, for example, you know, more milk-based cheeses, soft cheeses, plant milks, healthy oils, olive oil, grapeseed oil, avocado oil, all of these healthful oils, safflower, nut oils, and so on, also on the usually list. So it's basically framing your diet around all of these wonderful foods. Also herbs and spices are on the usually list. So when you build your life and your culinary world around there, there's room to play with other ingredients too. Maybe that are a little bit less nutrient dense, okay? Or maybe that have a little bit more saturated fat. And that's where my sometimes lists come in. So here we have things like juices, okay? So there's still a lot of nutritional value in juice, but you definitely want to keep the yellow light watching your portion of juices, Things like refined grains, so something like French bread or white flour, which can be used to add texture, important texture to things, uh, and still has nutritional value, but you want to use more moderately. Also, things like sweeteners such as honey or maple syrup, which are unrefined, but still, again, you want to watch all of your added sweeteners. So those are the sometimes foods. And the idea with the sometimes foods is it's okay to include some of these each day to sprinkle them in for flavor, for texture, but just to do it while kind of keeping an eye on portions. The rarely foods are foods that many so-called nutrition experts say you have to avoid completely. And many chefs, I think, use with a heavy hand and kind of really rely on, maybe lean on too heavily. So that's things like butter, cream, refined sugar, processed baked goods, like regular muffins, packaged muffins, things that you might find in the store, higher cuts, higher fat cuts of meat, like beef, ribs, and things like that. Also processed meats, which many of us kind of rely on too much, I think also in our diets. But the thing is, is that a little bit of these can go a long way. So you don't have to feel bad or guilty or say never to any of these foods. What I do with the rarely foods is I like to say I use them in minimal amounts for maximum impact. So in my recipes, for example, I might use a little bit of bacon, a couple of slices of bacon to just amp up the flavor of, say, a very usually food-based soup, like a kale soup with potato, for example. I might put a little bit of bacon in there or ham to add the flavor, and that actually gives it like a traditional flavor profile. But just a little bit will add as much flavor as you really would want in such a lovely, smoky meaty way. So at the same time, it doesn't make the dish less healthful per se. So when you look at the nutrition analysis of the dish, it's still quite healthful, rich in fiber, rich in greens, rich in nutrients, and with a very small amount of salt and saturated fat. So that's what's remarkable to me about the usually, sometimes, and rarely lists is because since I developed them for my very first book, 
I went on to use those lists essentially to develop all of my healthy recipes. So I have seven cookbooks now all together. And all of the recipes are based on these lists. So when I go into the kitchen to create a recipe, I first think about taste. And that's a very, very most important thing. And I think about what foods I'm going to use and pull starting from the usually list. How can I really make something fabulous with these fabulous ingredients? And then, or maybe I'm doing a makeover of a dish. Then I'm thinking, well, how can I add more usually foods to this? How can I amp up the vegetable content of this mac and cheese? How can I make it more wonderful tasting or just as wonderful tasting, but also healthier? But basically, I go in and I use the usually, sometimes rarely list. I might sprinkle in some sweetener, some honey, if a dressing needs it or if a sauce needs it, a pat of butter, if a sauce is going to be beautifully enriched by that. But it's amazing how just a little bit can go a long way. And then when I cook like this and I use this essential formula to create my recipes and also just dishes that I create at home for my family, when I do this, I always do the nutrition analysis, but I never cook to the numbers. I don't start there. But when I create the recipe and then I do the nutrition analysis, what's remarkable to me is just by using the usually, sometimes, and rarely lists, the nutritional analysis comes out to fit the basic parameters of, say, a heart-healthy recipe. So I do have parameters that I use, number parameters that I use in terms of keeping saturated fat in check, in terms of keeping sodium in check as well, and keeping the nutrient levels really high for all of my recipes. But I don't approach it from a numerical point of view. When I use the usually, sometimes, rarely lists, the numbers work out. It really is so poetic like that. And what it reinforces to me is that we don't have to stress about numbers. We don't have to worry about all the numbers of grams of this and milligrams of that. But if we eat according to the usually, sometimes, and rarely pattern, then we wind up with a healthful, nutrient-rich diet that's low in saturated fat, that's low in highly processed sugars and so on, and rich in flavor, rich in fiber, rich in plant foods, and rich in nutrients. So that's why I wanted to share with you this concept of really moving away from the notion of good and bad foods, of foods that you have to say never to, and toward the idea of usually, sometimes, and rarely. And I wanted to share that with you very first up on this podcast I appreciate your listening. I hope you'll join me for more. And I hope you're inspired to reframe your foods, reframe your thinking about food as usually, sometimes, or rarely. And you can go to elliekrieger.com to get all the complete usually, sometimes, rarely lists. I have such a great lineup of guests ahead. And I hope you'll join me next time for another one real good thing. Thanks. Thanks.